This is Rating Descending, where we watch IMDb's Worst 250 so you don't have to. My name is Abigail Warren. And I'm Michelle St. Clair. And this week we watched Cats and Dogs 2 Revenge of Kitty Galore. The ongoing war between the canine and feline species is put on hold when they join forces to thwart a rogue cat spy with her own sinister plans for Let's go. Coming down Christmas. I'm watching a snow Christmas. Christmas. Baby, please go home. You could argue I'm also under the sea. They're singing death the I'm an octopus But I remember when you were Mariah, why are you singing over Santa Claus? That's not very Christmassy of you. It's a little bit rude. Watching it snow. This is not the Christmas spirit Christmas. that Jesus died on the cross for. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a happy new year. Well, that's us for the night. Thanks All for right. listening. We did it. This was great. I'm so glad. No, Woo. it's Christmas. I feel like even though in a lot of ways I would describe this year as more emotionally challenging than last year. This Christmas itself is filled with more hope. Oh, why did you find this year more emotionally challenging than last? Huh, I'll get into it next week. Oh, <laughs> tantalizing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I guess I guess that's an appropriate time to wrap up your year. Yeah. Fair enough. That's nice, though. That's, I mean, like, yeah. what's your plan this year, Michelle? Well, this year, it's the first time in quite some time that we're allowed to, to travel, and not just allowed to travel, but also allowed to travel and not have my brain be going... It's going to close. It's going to close. We're going to be trapped here. We're going to be stuck yeah. here. But who are you seeing? In Brisbane, Brooke's sister. And then in Bundaberg, Brooke's family. And then in Sydney, I don't know yet. My mum. My mum, definitely. Nice. And then hopefully, Fingy crossed my friends. Nice. Oh, 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 see my little Christmas friends. You have Christmas friends? Pretty please, I would oh, love to see my have, Christmas you friends. You have friends at Christmas? <laughs> oh, I'm little Christmas. Christmas. Please, Santa. Please, nice. I don't even need my two front teeth. I would just love some friends for Christmas. <laughs> so shall it be. No. Thank you, and thank you for not making fun of my babyhood. I would never. I'm just a little 26-year-old baby. Wait, what? You're 26? Actually, when this episode comes out, I'll be 27. <laughs> oh, I thought you were 12, you fucking idiot. Even 12 would 26. be old for this whole Hey, sh- elves, look at this oh, loser. Come, oh, come on, Santa. Boo. Oh, come on, Santa. Boo. I'm no, taking is, your friends this away. This is really mean, Santa, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also having a little Christmas treat. Yeah, what it was in in what uh, what's what's uh, explain yourself? <laughs> explain your your. What are you doing here? Explain, explain this. I I I'm I'm gonna take Claude up to Sydney for a week, and he's gonna meet my extended family. Ooh. Yeah, it's gonna be very overwhelming for him because there's a lot of them, and they're all quite odd. But it'll be really fun. (laughs) It'll be really, it'll be really nice. Sounds Um, hot. Sounds fucking hot. It's definitely going to be hot and stinky. That's for sure. It's Christmas. I'm, I'm going to start getting my. I mean, 
am I allowed to say this? Because we're not really recording at Christmas time. I was going to say I should start getting my head in the Christmas game, but maybe I shouldn't. This is getting your head in the Christmas game. This is it. This is it. This is getting ready for Christmas. This is us getting ready for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. Like, I mean, listeners, you guys know we don't record it the day it comes out. No, yeah, we do, listeners. We're right here with you. We're doing this live to you right now. This is actually June. (laughs) No, listeners, we're right here with you. You can ask us questions and we'll respond like we're listening. Shout out. Come on. Yeah. We got a a fresh message from uh, uh, at the 7th of January uh, asking, hey, uh, now that COVID's over, how do you reckon you're going to spend 2021? (laughs) It's a pretty good joke. That's not live, Michelle. Yeah, I know, I know. So I can cut it out? (laughs) (laughs) Thank God. Ah, the beauty of not recording live. No, but me- Merry Merry Christmas, Merry friends Christmas. and friends and listeners. It's it's been a hell of a time. I feel like as a child, I loved Christmas, and then many- yeah, I, I I feel like uh, years of people not really caring about Christmas made me made me sour on Christmas, and now everyone seems so into it. And I'm like, I'm finding it hard to get the spirit back, baby. I need my own Ebenezer Scrooge style of spiritual. Uh, enlightenment on the virtues of Christmas once more. Sounds like you do. I can't believe that other people's lack of interest in Christmas has led led to your own lack of interest in Christmas. Yeah. You sheep. What? You that's sheep. A, that's not what's happening. <laughs> come on. Get your head out oh, of your come fucking on. ass, oh, all right? Come on. The spirit of Christmas is not something that should be corrupted just, by the people around you, right? It's something that you hold little near and dear to your heart. Oh, oh, this no, is why Santa, Santa hates you. This is why no, Santa, Santa fucking Santa hates you, Michelle. No, please. This is why you're, a, oh, this is why you're fucking... Oh, please, Santa. The elves are going to beat you up. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And you're gonna get thrown out of fucking Santa's sleigh. Okay, you know how Santa elves are like old school elves, yeah, like the old school traditional elves where they're short and like, hey, great Santa's elves. Imagine if Which it's Tolkien because that's not really. I was about to say that's not really in line with any other elf. Well, it's it? more in line with with most European elves. Tolkien is the one who changed it. Mm, this is true. So, but imagine if Santa's like, oh, time to make the presents, and they're like, yes, we shall make the presents of Lothlorien. And now the tangled and woven in the hairs of diamonds. Just a bunch of like Galadriel and Elrond fucking in a workshop. Where I cannot go, Santa. And they're terrible as the dawn. Welcome to my workshop. (laughs) Sometimes I say on this podcast we sing a lot. I think on this podcast you sing a lot. Well, when you've got the fucking chops, you might as well show it off. Yeah, that's fair. You know what I mean? Merry Christmas. It's the same reason I always do my perfect New York accent. You got the accents. I got the looks. You read books. <laughs> no, I like that you did the joke and then you wanted to just do the, cr- I the to quote do different itself <laughs> as a frame of reference. <laughs> it's all over the shop. But speaking of all over the shop, this is we the bit. Hang on, <laughs> you got this. <laughs> it crumbled so quickly. <laughs> this week we watched Cats and Dogs too. The Revenge of Kitty Galore. So earlier this week, I got to finally go back to the cinemas and watch two different movies. I got to watch Juno IMAX and The French Dispatch. And after watching each one, I was like, I've. Which is more than I've been able to watch the entire rest of the year combined. And I was like, I've never been more in love with movies. I just forgot 
just how incredible this art form is. And then I had to watch four movies in a row for this podcast, one of which was Cats and Dogs 2, and I take it all back. Yeah, because we had two sequels going on at yeah. the moment, and um, I also saw The French Dispatch, and actually while on the topic, as I was saying... I didn't like it. I know. You mentioned you didn't, didn't like it. I really liked it. I really I'm enjoyed sure, it. I think there's a lot to like about it. I was thinking about that today. I was like, there's so much to like about the French Dispatch, but I don't like it. I Let's actually, talk more about Wes Anderson. I really had a hard time watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to I, I know about this. You said you had to stop and start it a bunch. I tried to watch this movie three different times. <laughs> Why? I've been like overworking myself and undersleeping a lot recently it's just been that like rush at the end of the year to get everything done and so I, I dedicated some time to watch this and I was like okay sure and then like an hour like it's so loud and energetic and like aggressive without ever letting you into any piece of information I found it like I realized it was like an hour in and I was like I can't emotionally handle continuing to hear this and I don't know what's happening. So I mm. turned it off. And then a few days later, I was like, okay, I'll return. I'll come back. I'll try again. And at that, that time, I only actually got 25 minutes in. <laughs> I, I, it was worse. And then today, as of the record, I was like, I still haven't done it and I need yeah. to watch the whole movie. So I started watching it just like on my laptop while doing things. Still found it really hard to get through. And I only finished it about five to ten minutes before you showed up to start recording. Fuck. <laughs> I just, you had a tough time with it. I just I couldn't get through it. it. It's just so much blasted into your prefrontal cortex to, like, process. It, I just hated it. I feel prefrontal cortex is definitely the name of my new indie band. <laughs> Love it. We are a prefrontal cortex. And you make the, the worst electro music I've ever heard in my life. Oh, I thought it was going to be, like, really fuzzy, like early 2000s uh, it's indie. too science sounding yeah. it could maybe be like a like a sort of outdated death grunge band yeah we're prefrontal cortex do, 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 do. you know that kind of thing maybe i should have called this like lobotomy because i think that's oh, more like the yeah. kind of vibe i'm going for mm. we are lobotomy um yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so we, we, so 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 I so we, 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 an hour and a half or under it's like a big sigh of relief i'm like oh if i see one colon two i'm like fuck thank god and i have to admit i didn't watch the first cats and dogs for this because i watched it so many times as a kid i can roughly remember it it. it's better than you remember it yeah i i feel like i I loved it when it was on tv as a kid like i when it was on i was like fuck yeah i've watched this six times and i'm gonna watch it again genuinely that's a pretty solid movie yeah (laughs) because it's about like lou the beagle yeah and he's against mr tinkles the Mm -hmm. evil fluffy white himalayan cat and it had jeff gold plume in it so i was like yeah this is ticking every box for me as a fucking six-year-old does a good performance it's got some like genuinely heartwarming for a studio comedy of the 2000s moments but it's like trying really earnestly which i appreciated and there's like some fun sequences at the end you know like mr tinkles declaring that all mice in reward for the services are going to get 
one pound of cheese and the continent of Australia. Like, that's a fun moment in yeah. the original movie. And there's just nothing like that here. Yeah. Every time some fucking director gets asked the most irritating question in the world about Marvel movie and they react improperly. And in response, film bros go on long tangents about the death of cinema. This is the movie they are actually referring to. Remember that song I used to show you? Like, Pulp Lart <laughs> and the death of art. Yeah. Similar vibe. This movie vibe. makes it hard to believe that art is possible. <laughs> <laughs> Which in turn makes it hard to feel like it's you're able to keep on going. <laughs> this film really got you, didn't it? It just... It, 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 <laughs> It requires a more brain capacity than I have. Like, it, f- I feel like it's what Alex DeLarge in Clockwork Orange <laughs> has his eyes propped open and is getting beamed into his head. That's what it felt like watching it. But it, at a certain point, about an hour in, they're, they're like, oh, my God, stop. It's spilling out of her eyes. They, she can't fit it in her brain. And I'm like, it's too much. Can't handle it. I found it perfectly fine to watch. Again, it was short. It was very fast. So I was fu- I was happy with my that. exact problem. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I was like, "Thank God, it's going off to it's like off to a cracking start." I don't really get what's happening, but things are <laughs> happening, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, but like it had a real good cast of characters. Like it. Yeah, but that's also what's weird to me about it is like the way that the cast is different than the first one where a lot of people get recast, but normally when people get recast, it's by, like, someone lower tier than them, right? Yeah. Like, growing up, I really liked Inspector Gadget, which we will do on this list at some point. Is it Inspector Gadget 2 that's on the list? Inspector Gadget 1 is on the list. Uh, It's actually really low down. Wow. Um, But I watched Inspector Gadget 2 straight to DVD, which recasts Matthew Broderick with French Thomas from Third Rock from the Sun. Totally makes sense. French that is... Thomas from Third Rocket from the Sun. What is who's that? Like French which... French Thomas. Well, you know the one that's not I've never watched it. Which which actor is it? French Thomas. French Thomas. That's the name of the actor. What? I thought it was a character. Because no. you've got American Thomas and French Thomas. What? Who's American Thomas? Apparently he doesn't exist because it's the actor's name. I figured there were two characters in Third Rock from the Sun. Normal Thomas and French Thomas. Why Why did you assume that? It makes more sense than there being someone called French Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> it, apparently it, did, it didn't make more sense. Oh, we've but- got normal little Thomas and then French Thomas that we keep in the attic. Hello, Mamma and Pepe. I've never seen this show. <laughs> I can tell that you know nothing about this show. French Thomas. That doesn't sound like an actor's name. It. I, I'm. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it is. <laughs> I. I don't know how else to explain that this man has the name French Thomas. Well, I'm looking up French Thomas, and all that's come. I looked up French Thomas actor, and all that's coming up is Philip Catois, Thomas the Tank Engine, Wikipedia. What? Who's the? Okay, now I'm gonna look. I it don't up. think there is a French Thomas. Who's the idiot now, Michelle? Oh, French Stewart. His name is French Stewart. Okay, it's still odd. I. I feel like. Yes, you're right in that I had the wrong name. But, but, the, but the if actual... you had said French Stewart, I still would have made yeah, the same the, mistake. I, they actually got the core parts <laughs> correct. <laughs> um, yeah, Matthew Broderick gets recast with French Stewart for the director DVD, right? Yeah. That scale totally makes sense to me. In this, Tobey Maguire gets recasted with Neil Patrick Harris and Alec Baldwin gets recasted with Nick Nolte. And, like, John Lovitz gets recasted with Wallace Shawn. And I'm like, these are all very, like, 
lateral moves. They're all downgrades, in my opinion. I don't think when this came out, Tobey Maguire to Neil Patrick Harris was a downgrade. I think it would have been. Tobey Maguire was quite a, like the, oh, that was 2010. Yeah. No, you're right. In 2010, yeah. that's in an 2010, upgrade. In 2010, Tobey Maguire to Neil Patrick Harris? Yeah, that's an upgrade. Yeah. That, but Alec, Nick Nolte. And I agree down, yeah, that Alec Nick Baldwin Nolte, to Nick Alan Nolte, Bob, sure. Yeah, that trajectory that is, on, is on a down. Yeah. This is also not peak John Lovitz, though, you know? This is true, but is it, was it, it's not peak Wallace Shawn either, Shawn Wallace. Sure, but that's what I'm saying. Like, by this point, they're equivalent. Like, there's no movie where John Lovitz is the leading man anymore. He is just doing Shawn Wallace role. And that makes me sad. All right. I need his atmosphere. Well, I can't do it. I appreciate that. No, that's just John Mulaney. It's John Mulaney. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Well, no, we've we've actually cracked something here. Hang on. <laughs> the overlap of John Mulaney and John Lovitz, the Venn diagram, it's a circle. <laughs> it's a circle. Except John Lovitz would never talk positively about his wife. Though at this point, neither would John Mulaney. Ah, <laughs> oh, sweet Abby. It's just like when there's a public breakup, it feels like you go through it too. You know mm. what I mean? I discovered exactly who I follow on like Twitter and Instagram and stuff that don't have divorced parents because they took it way harder than I did. <laughs> it is rough. It is rough. <laughs> Do you want to hear the overview? I would love to. Here's some general information about Cats and Dogs 2. It has 4.4 stars on IMDb, so I think it's gone back up a little bit since the list. Because it should be 4.3. This is the beginning of its critical reappraisal. Yeah, they're like, you know what? Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. What an upgrade. <laughs> James Marsden is a leading Whoa. man. That's what we needed. This came out in 2010. I'm really learning that 2010 was a terrible vintage for films. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like a lot of the worst films on this list or, have hovered around 2010. Or a peak year for IMDb reviews. This is true. Like, that's why 2006 is so prominent. Where else could you review movies so publicly? This is very true. This was directed by Brad Payton. I looked up his Wikipedia and I didn't see that he had done anything that I of note. That I could recognize. Rough. It was written by John Friedman and Steve Ben Benkich. Ben Sich. Ben Kitch. They're a writing duo <laughs> partnership. Okay. And they have done a lot of films in this vein. Like they did they both wrote Open Season and Chicken Little. Oh, so boy. this is really like their, their their brand. They're really hitting this so, stride. But I mean, based on that trio, this is weak even for them. Yeah. This is a this is a step down. Yikes. We've already mentioned a lot of the actors, but Jack McBrayer and Fred Armisen. Returning actors on the list. Nice. Jack McBrayer was in Movie 43, and Fred Armisen was the guy with the big head in Zoolander 2. Yeah. But, like, it's got a huge... A fucking huge cast. It's got a huge cast. Christina Applegate. Bette Midler is in this Bette movie. Bette Midler. I mean, we'll get to that later. Yeah, I kind sure. of expected to go through the cast after okay, the yeah, movie, yeah, so yeah. cut that. Um, this is my overview. Diggs, a somewhat clumsy police dog, meets Butch from the first film and is brought into the DOGHQ to help out with a fickle cat named Kitty Galore. Diggs meets a feline agent named Catherine, who reveals that Kitty Galore, after losing her hair and being disowned by her family, has vowed revenge on dogs and humans. The cats and dogs ally to take down Kitty Galore. The team travels to Alcatraz, where a mentally ill Mr. Tinkles, from the first film, is confined. He provides one clue, a cat's eye reveals everything. Diggs and Catherine soon learn that Kitty is hiding at a fairground, but are quickly captured upon arrival. Kitty reveals her plot to transmit the Call of the Wild, a frequency only dogs can hear that will make them hostile to humans. Kitty uses the the fair's flying swings as a satellite dish (laughs) to broadcast the signal. Dogs around the world begin to react. Diggs tricks Kitty's right-hand man, Paws, 
into destroying the satellite. Kitty's pet mouse turns on her and she's tossed. Wow, that she's tossed. She's tossed away. I don't know how to describe that. <laughs> she's defeated. With the mission a success, Diggs goes to live with his with Shane, his little human cop buddy. And that's the film. He's stupid. I don't know why, but I'm still laughing at earlier in the view, the description. Earlier of, in the view? Uh, or earlier in the overview. Uh, in the view. That's what we call it here on the pod. <laughs> the description the view? Yeah, of Mr. The Tinkles view. as mentally ill, <laughs> mentally which Ill. is correct, but like such a weird matter of the mentally ill Mr. <laughs> Tinkles. He's it, The scene is he's dressed in like a Hannibal Lecter reference, yeah. right? And so it's just so funny. To That's be how like, they described it on Wikipedia, he's, he's man. He's mentally ill. He's mentally unstable. <laughs> I mean, he is. Don't erase his um. Don't don't make his mental illness like not valid. Okay. Yeah. It's no, I'm not valid. saying it's not valid. It is yeah, I feel more like you're correct. Laughing at his illness. I am laughing at this uh ca- at this cat played by Sean Hayes in a Hannibal Lecter reference being described so simply as having like men- being mentally ill. Yeah. Because I think there's a, a lot off. more going on. Speaking of mental illness, this morning I woke up <laughs> and like just absolutely burst into tears, and I was like wiping the tears away, and I was like, "What is this?" And I was like. Mental illness. <laughs> it's just mental illness. So I was like looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, there's something wrong with my brain. That was my morning. How was yours? It sounds just so serene though, going, oh, <laughs> it's mental illness. Kind of was. I was yeah. like, this isn't true. Nothing know. I'm feeling is true. Hang on a second. Hang on. Oh, it's you got me again, mental illness. Yeah, mental illness. <laughs> oh, for Christmas, Santa, I would like you to take away my mental illness. Oh, oh, you know that all kids with mental illness get a lump of coal, don't you, oh, little but Sally? Santa, I can't help it. I was born this way. Oh, mental illness is your fault. Oh. That's the official view of Santa Claus. Well, can I still have a present? Well, yeah, it's a lump of coal. Oh, can I? Oh. Hey, you could sell that on the market. It's good energy. I feel like my mental illness is worse. Mm, Like I said, turn that coal into energy for you. Good, clean energy. Better than any of this renewable climate change. I don't believe in fossil fuel, Santa. Oh, you need to look at the science that I've seen. It's different than mainstream science. You got some information to link me, Santa? Oh, yeah. It's on uh, the the, the Daily Wire, Prager U. Oh, I love that shit. Mm. Okay, Santa. Jordan Peterson was just telling me about it. I love Jordan Peterson. Oh, great. Well, (laughs) maybe I'll slip you a present then. (laughs) Not in a creepy, sexual way, Santa, We'll find out. Fine. I'm five years old. Statistically, you know, maybe I will. Who knows? Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Mommy. We don't need to resolve this scene. Santa's going to sexually molest We can move me. on. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the moral of Christmas, guys. Don't trust that's Santa. That's the moral of Christmas. <laughs> he's still a weird... He's a str- stranger danger, man. Is that what we're going to leave with our Santa, audience? That's the moral of Christmas? Doesn't mean he's not going to fill you. All right? Oh, my God. Take it from me. Speaking of things that are really upsetting, uh, Kitty Galore's, who played by Bette Midler, which was great. I, yes. I I I love Bette Midler. I could actually listen to her all day. I don't care. It's in this stupid film. Mm. I was like, she's giving it. Yeah, it's she's probably it. because of her ability as a voice actor that made you think that. I don't believe in voice actors. <laughs> she's just an actress to me. Allegedly, um, no. I I. <laughs> Oh, Christ. A bit came out. It's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, I, I understand why Bette Midler took this role. I mean, like, I'm sure she was in her room. Like, she was like, fuck, I didn't understand Hocus Pocus when I read that script either. Maybe the kids are all about Kitty Galore these days. Hang on now. Okay. You're not comparing Hocus Pocus to Cats and Dogs 2, are you? What I'm saying is that if Bette Midler was handed Hocus Pocus, I don't think she would instinctively know that it was going to be the incredible cult classic that it is. This is true, but it's incredibly charming as a film. It, I feel like reading the script wonderful. compared to reading this script would be very different as an experience. Sure. but Thackeray, also, Thackeray Banks. I do also think if you're Bette Midler in 2010 and someone offers you work, do you say no? You the know? last thing I remember her in, like, post-Hocus Pocus, post-Hocus Pocus, post-Hocus Pocus, Hocus to Pocus, is her cameo in Seinfeld. So, yeah, I think she's struggling. Was that post-Hocus Pocus? It was. I thought Hocus Pocus was, like, 2000s. Was Hocus Pocus earlier? was 90s, like, early 90s, <gasps> oh. my guy. Oh. I'm hedging a bet okay. that Hocus Pocus was 1993. Ooh, okay. I can look it up right now. No, there's no way to find out. That I can look it up right now. It's literally impossible. Well, I'm going to do it. No it's, one can stop me. It's it's You can't do that. It's impossible. You're going to look so fucking dumb, Michelle. 1993, you oh, nailed it. I nailed it because you didn't look it up. You're so dumb. <laughs> I got you. What I am- got you. <laughs> Only thing I know her in uh, post Cats and Dogs 2 uh, is Hocus Pocus 2, which is coming soon. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I don't want that. Yeah. Leave it alone. I'm sure it'll Make be- a new story. People will get cranky and then it'll come out and people will go like, eh, it's fine. And then we'll forget it ever happened. Why don't people learn, man? Well, because a lot of these things used to just go direct to DVD and then we decided on streaming platforms that we could make just enough money by talking about them instead. Oh, Christ. That's upsetting. I miss direct to DVD. But I actually thought there was like such a good cast of characters in this. Yeah, yeah. you had Bette Midler as Kitty Galore. You had Neil Patrick Harris as Lou. Which is so weird. That's the thing I think that got me about all of the recasts is that none of them tried to sound like the character in my exact thing where I was complaining about voice acting, where a lot of... Because it's a myth. A lot of people who are actors are not actually voice acting. They're just reading lines. Tr- that's not what Lou sounds like. I understand Neil Patrick Harris has a different voice. If he can't do the vocal performance required, then hire a fucking voice actor instead of Neil Patrick Harris. It was so weird hearing Nick Nolte as Butch sound completely unlike what Butch sounds like. Mm. It confused me and upset me. Michelle, it's okay. Michelle, take a breather. Take a break. Also, they brought back Joe Pantoliano, Michael Clark Duncan, and Sean Hayes, and what a weird trio of the original cast to be able to get to return. Yeah, you had James Marsden as Diggs, the lead. You had Christina Applegate as Catherine, the female lead, and she was a little Russian blue cat, and she's so cute. She was cute. James Marsden is a lot better when he's the one who's live action and his companion is a CG animal. This is true. Such as in Hop and Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm. And various moments in Enchanted. Yeah. Yeah. He does that a lot. He's really, really good at it. Total mistake to make him the dog. I'm just going to claim that James Marsden, at a certain point in history, was the most charming man in Hollywood. He just had a good rep. He I believe was a that. Good family friendly shit. I really enjoyed him in Thirty Rock in particular. Yeah, but also Roger Moore voiced Tab uh, yeah. Lazenby, which is also its own sort of James Bond pun. I thought that you've been th- looking this up, Michelle. No, I saw in the credits Roger Moore, and then they were like, "Here's Tab Lazenby." I'm like, "Oh, like George Lazenby, the Bond guy." I bet that's Roger Moore. Hmm. I uh, look. You know how I snap my laptop shut as soon as a film is done? It's to honor the animo- like the the anonymity. Oh, so you of didn't the see the, the post credit scene? Oh no, I did. Oh okay. Like I'm just kidding. I don't always do it. <laughs> 
But yeah, there was just a... I didn't mind this film. I think that there were certain... I I can't think of any standout scene that I actually enjoyed because it was fucking stupid. (laughs) But we got through it. High praise. I couldn't (laughs) think of any scene that I enjoyed. (laughs) No. But I also couldn't think of any scene that I couldn't tolerate. Okay, but certainly one of the most distinct scenes in it is... Kitty Galore's literal Joker origin story in which she's like describing how no uh, uh the, the the Christina Applegate cat what was the fucking character Catherine name? Catherine which is an odd name for a cat a strange name is it for just a cat because it's got cat in it I, probably everything's probably, a pun in this fucking film yeah it's intolerable very quickly but she's describing oh Kitty Galore used to be a big fluffy cat but then and she fell a into a big fluffy cat called Ivana Clawyu which is its own intolerable yeah. pun. Uh, but then she fell into a vat, and then it does exactly like as seen in David Ayer's Suicide Squad, which clearly was inspired by this scene. Uh, it's all black and white, except the the vat of miscellaneous goo is bright hot pink, and then she accidentally falls in, and we see her hand come out <laughs> of the goo, and it's a hair removal cream, and so like the fluff is gone, and it's just this hairless cat. Yeah. What a strange cinematic choice. <laughs> I found it incredibly moving when she returned to her family and they're like, ew, get out, you ugly bitch. And they threw her out and she was like, I will get revenge on you. That's not Bette Midler's voice. She's like, I'll, g- I'll get revenge on you. It's still not Bette Midler's that, that voice. That was closer, though. I'll get revenge on you. No, it's just... <laughs> no, that's not terrible. It sounded like her being one Winifred? of the Sanderson sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hi, my name's Winifred. What's yours? That's not bad. I put a spell on you. Ah, you're losing it. Now you're mine. Now you're losing it. Yeah. You're losing it. You're losing it. Now oh, come on, it's gonna. Santa's gonna give you a lump of coal again. Oh my god, mommy, <laughs> Santa's back. I should, I should no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm jettisoning this bit. <laughs> <laughs> mommy, Santa just threw himself through the roof. <laughs> no, I'm not part of this anymore. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm not, I'm not allowed within 100 feet of children. Santa's leaving the episode, everyone. Say bye to Santa. <laughs> bye, Santa. I'm already gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but the scene where she gets thrown out, for me, was one of two things that gave me my biggest question about the whole film. And Tell this is me. like a second half to Marmaduke. <laughs> so in this world, and this was established in Cats and Dogs 1, the... It's canonical that the cats used to enslave humans. Dogs literally freed them from the bondage of slavery. All humans forgot, and now the dogs save humans from cats secretly because both dogs and cats can fully speak human languages, most prominently English, uh, intelligibly to humans, but they keep it secret. And then in this... so. In, in this, we're also introduced to a pigeon that can speak English, which makes me think there's like all animals have a full pact of silence where they're all they all talk to each other, but not with human beings, which is wild to me because I don't understand the incentive that a lot of them have for it. Because when Kitty Galore is thrown out onto the street as like, you're a hairless piece of shit. I hate you. Just talk. She wants to enslave humans anyway. She She's not gaining anything. Maybe she anything. doesn't want to compromise the fact that animals can talk. Maybe they all make this vow to each other being like, we're never going to talk to the humans because we can never let them know that we can talk. Like, it's like a secret pact amongst them. They are secretly intelligent. But, but, but why? If they're getting treated worse because of it, why? 
That's wild. Bruh. Okay. Bruh. <laughs> I can't give you every answer to the world. Yes, I'm very smart. I'm very sexy. I'm just and I'm very knowledgeable. I get it. But I can't give you every answer that okay. you're looking for. Well, all and animals. Hold the secrets, or the, least, the key to this riddle. At the very least, the classic trinity, the holy trinity, cats, dogs, pigeons, know how to fully speak English. And that secret has gone like unbroken for thousands of years they're pretty good at maintaining it that's, that's kitty galore she might be evil but she's not going to break the pact but i mean the she pact wants of silence. to openly and flagrantly take over all human beings like they're gonna find out i mean if she turns around and starts speaking they'd be like whoa what the fuck and then they'd probably like fucking try and capture her and test like on her and figure out what the fuck's going on she doesn't have time for that she has a plan of revenge against all of well, humans only because they threw her out but like if they if they're like Oh, what what is this ugly fucking thing? And she's like, "Hey, come on!" And they're like, "Oh shit, this cat can talk, and we already have a pre-established loving relationship with this cat. I'm gonna keep a fucking talking cat. That's crazy. That's wild insanity. I, I would think, love this cat. I think you need to reach out to uh, Brad Payton directly. Yeah, guys, I just all I have is questions about the cats and dogs law. Um, I understand where you're cribbing from. I get your influences. Totally love your work. Love your vibe. Love really, your vibe. Like fuck the patriarchy. F- yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, they probably they probably love the patriarchy though. You know. Um. But uh. So all all animals can just fully speak because at one point the pigeon breaks it out of frustration to a little kid. And then Butch goes like, well, we're compromised. What are yeah. we going to do? And I'm like, is this the first time that that's been an issue? How Surely is this? not. This is crazy. It's just the first time it's happened in, in the in the movie. I mean, in Cats and Dogs 1, do you remember a moment where they're almost compromised? Or they talk to any humans? The uh, Mr. Tinkles fully talks to Jeff Goldblum, the mom, and the son. And do they respond? Can they hear Yeah, they can hear him. And they're like, oh, shit, you c- th- this cat can talk. And right. the little kid doesn't shut up about it. And then at the end... He even, like, as Lou is there, they think he's dead. The kid is like, Lou, Lou, oh, no. And then he's like, can you talk? And then Lou just gives him a look, doesn't say anything. And then we see his eyes go wide as we understand that he gets that Lou can talk. Yeah. This kid now knows the secret. Do they kill him? Because Lou doesn't live with him anymore. Is that why Mr. Tinkles is in Alcatraz for murdering that little child? But, that was, like, the credit scene of the first But what I'm saying is dogs. that Lou had family responsibilities and now... Now he doesn't live there anymore. Shit, dude. Did someone get eliminated to keep the secret? Did someone get rubbed out? Did someone get JFK? For the sake of the secret? Who was the gunman on the grassy knoll? Yeah. Who was it? Who who was it? Huh? Who was the grassy... Knoll on the gunman. Who was the grassy man who with a gun? Who was the grassy little mole? Who was the grass mole? Who was the was man a... with that grassy little mole? <laughs> That's the best one. There's no topping that. That's <laughs> the fucking end. Because literally, I was watching it, barely awake, finding it again. Third attempt, so hard to to get through this ending. And then, so the the satellite is well. She they have the uh, the ride that is shaped like a satellite dish pointed at the space satellite. It is transmitting the the call of the wild signal, which is represented to us through some sort of actually genuinely solid liquid goo beam. Uh, and then there's like these tubes of what looks like an actual liquid, not just electricity, running to it. And then they trick pores into munching onto it to try and destroy it. After pores, who is revealed to be a fucking full-on robot, um, gra- chomps onto it. The goo stops and the beam turns red 
And then it goes up and the satellite in space explodes. That was crazy to me. Imagine if you had a signal on your phone that could make any other object explode. How did that happen? I know we're like, hey, I'm pointing holes in a in a kid's movie. I just think that's wild. This blue beam turns red and now the satellite in space explodes because it was downloading data wrong? we got to rebuild these satellites. This is the most Michelle observation. Our infrastructure is not what it used to be if our satellites can be exploded by corrupt signals. You love the word infrastructure. I... You're all about it. I don't... I mean, I love... You love it. I love infrastructure. Yeah. I don't think I say it an abnormal amount. I think at one point you you did, and that's fine. It's an important issue of our times. We have underdeveloped (laughs) infrastructure. Not just structures, infrastructure. Say it louder for the people at the back. Not infrastructure, infrastructure. It's an important issue of our times. It's of important. Our times. It's Im- what? Hey, what is the deal with all the infrastructure, huh? <sighs> I went. I went out of the department store. There was no store to depart. Hey, Where's the infrastructure. I went to the bus stop. It had been replaced with a parking lot. Now I can't catch the bus. Yeah, women. Women love infrastructure. Women like to infrastructure like this. <laughs> Do you want to hear some trivia? Yeah, I'd love to hear some trivia. <laughs> The trivia wasn't very interesting, but it did kind of circulate around all of the constant spy movie references in yeah, the that film. Makes sense. So I'll just run you through some of those. Oh, just as an overview, this movie contains nods to Lethal Weapon, Mission Impossible, The Silence of the Lambs, Batman, the Bond films. Um, and the Bond films include Goldfinger, Moonraker, and From Russia with Love. Yeah. So it references, yeah, a lot of like action and spy films, which is fun. But it's it's specifically because you know how they have to make it entertaining for adults so that they'll yeah, take their yeah, children yeah, yeah. to watch it? The way that they make it entertaining for adults is by making them go, oh, I know that. Yeah. And I mean, that's an effective thing to do. Like, I feel like yeah. Shrek did a similar thing, but in a way better way. Mm. Like, Shrek made a lot of like adult jokes and that, that were genuinely jokes, but also a lot of references as mm. well. That really I, drew adults. I in. don't like the DreamWorks model of instead of doing a joke, just reminding me of something. I hate I think that. If they do it in a smart way, it's fine. Right. I think in Shrek One, where it's like sort of subverting the fairy tales, which was a fresh take in two thousand three mm. or four. I think that was good. I don't like it later when we're like, oh, that's like that thing I know. Mm. I hate that. Yeah. Tell me a fucking joke. What's your perspective, man? Michelle's getting angry tonight. <clears throat> the name Tab Lazenby is a nod to actor George Lazenby, who played James Bond, mm-hmm. and so did Roger Moore. The police captain's name is Fleming, a reference to the nam- the, the writer oh. of the James Bond novels, Ian Fleming. Yeah. And this is my last piece of trivia. Wow. It is fucking scarce pickings. Yeah. Kitty Galore's hench cat is a large cat with metal teeth named Paws, which is an obvious nod to the James Bond villain Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I have seen not that many Bond movies, but when I was a little kid, there was a couple that were on TV, and one of them that was on a couple of times was Moonraker, which as I grew up, I found out was one of the least critically acclaimed ones because it's very silly and ridiculous. And to the credit of the critics, it is the one where James Bond goes to space. Yeah. So fair game, <laughs> but it means that I'm very familiar with Jaws. I I was saying I to think Claude, he finds love there's, in that there's one. a new Bond coming out, and it's um, already come out. No yeah, time to die. Claude was saying, "Oh, we should go see it," and I was like, "I don't want to go see it." And he was like, "Why?" And I was just like, "I just I just don't get a lot out of Bond films. Like mm-hmm. I love action films, but spy films, especially things like Bond, don't tend to grab me very much." I would appreciate Bond because I, I I I don't know. Like I've had some Bond films that I enjoy, but I don't necessarily find myself drawn to the franchise. I think I would enjoy them more if he w- spent more time as a 
spy instead of moodily hanging out, punching people, and then sort of like obsessing over a variety of women. Yeah, you know, yeah, like I, I think I hate the concept things. of yeah, exactly. I, I hate the concept of the Bond girl. And I think that, like, the Bond as a character doesn't interest me very much either. Mm. Like, I never found him a very particularly, like, fascinating person. I think there were a lot of potential for that with Daniel Craig's Bond that we see in Casino Royale and Skyfall, which are both, like, kind of trying to play more into the, like, he he has different, like, v- various issues with the morality of what he does. Ooh, interesting. And then they just totally squander it with the movie. Like, each... Daniel Craig one seems to go from the best Bond movie to the worst Bond movie. Yeah. Each one after the other. It's crazy. So does this new one have good reviews? I think it, I think it, in perfect fitting summary for him, it has like... It's quite mediocre from the look of it. But it it looks mediocre and that's because it's the reviews I've seen are both good and bad. Yeah. So it's not like people going, it's meh. It's people going, it's great. And also like totally squandered. Right. It's the one Phoebe Waller-Bridge worked on for a while. Oh. Oh, okay, got you. She was brought in and they were like, can you fix Bond? And she was like, I can give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to hear some reviews? Sure. This film had 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus reads, dull and unfunny, this inexplicable sequel offers little more than the spectacle of digitally rendered talking animals with celebrity voices. Yeah. This is a review left by Tim Roby for the Daily Telegraph. It's beneath any cat to be sprayed repeatedly with a water bottle or completely shaved, let alone dubbed by Bette Midler. (laughs) What? How is that the worst crime of those things? I know, Bette Midler is fine. Does this guy not like Bette Midler? Are we not meant to like Bette Midler? Um, Is she (laughs) cancelled? This is a review left on IMDb. It's a 10 out of 10 review. Okay. It was left by Stephen Ball 226, and it's called For Everyone Who Loves Cats and Dogs. Ah. James Marsden, one of the stars of this movie, hosts the Oscars this year. I wonder if anyone will make note of this. One of his lesser credits. Other stars helping out are Bette Midler as Kitty Galore and Nick Nolte as Butch. They really do put their all into it. There are many other famous humans involved. The only character that jarred me a little was the pigeon Seamus, who spoke ghetto throughout. Whoa. Oh, and did I mention that Chris O'Donnell looks smoking hot as a cop? What? All in all, funny movie. Certainly a pleasant escape movie for a rainy day. Did they really spend $85 million on this? Oh, Whoa, well, what? I guess that means that there won't be any more sequels. <laughs> 10 out of 10. I do, I, I do not like or get this guy's vibe. I think it's, it's a woman. Oh, no, it's Stephen Ball. This, yeah, this guy's energy is all over the place. It's it's insane. It's the most scattered review ever. Also, I think there is a third one. Damn. I mean, this was left in 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And this is a review left by CPU Vega, also in 2010. It's 10 out of 10, and it's called I Laughed With Tears. And I have to say, this person... Definitely, like, they have a disclaimer at the end saying that they don't, like, write English any, like, very well. And I'm okay. not making fun of the fact that they're not, like, writing English very well. It's more, I like, I just love what they're saying. Yeah. I love the vibes. Movie for children or adults who really understand children. I am a guy. I am 33 years old. And I really enjoy their world. The kids' world. The team who make this film? I think they're big children, too. Congratulations. With such folks, the world can be changed by honest people. Slightly naive, happy, and a little crazy as well as children are. I appreciate less the fact that in the movie they use colourful language such as hell, crap, stupid, etc. But times have changed. When the porn knocking our door via the internet, 
Personally, I see this as hardening. P.S. Excuse my English. I am Romanian and also a happy one. <laughs> 10 out of 10. There's like an earnestness throughout it. It is. The weird anti-porn sentiment he found when to the worm porn, into this review was strange and did not like it. But knocking on our door via the internet. Personally, I see this as hardening. I just love I am I am Romanian and also a happy one. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, cute. It was kind of cute. So, Michelle, what what would you rate Cats and Dogs 2 out of 10? Uh, well, I've uh, expounded emphatically on how much I, I just didn't... Maybe I'm not smart enough for this film. Maybe my brain is too small. My teeny tiny It is a set of riddles. Is it yes. is something that you have to watch again and again to truly, I don't know, immerse yourself in the world of it to understand the layers and complexities. Needing to watch this movie repeatedly... Uh, was the same feeling as trying over and over and over again to open a puzzle box, only to discover right towards the end that it is not, in fact, a puzzle box, but you simply did not have the key, and it is mm. a box that is empty. Mm. That was the experience of watching this movie. So I, re- I really didn't like it, too. It, it's it's a movie. I can't have it lower than two. It's a two. I hate it. I really hate it. No, it's 1.9. Fuck! This reminds me of like my visceral reaction to Zoolander 2, you know? Like, it's funny, like, the things that, like, it really depends on our mood and, like, just like the little things that bother us in films. Yeah. I'm going to give this bad boy because I didn't mind watching it and I liked some of the voice actors. And again, this isn't about is it a good film? It's how much could I tolerate it? Mm. 3.5 out of 10. 3.5 3.5 wow. out of 10. Yeah. That's shockingly Definitely high. higher up on the list. I wow. found it easy to watch. Wow. Easy to watch. I love that we had such wow. different experiences. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, Michelle, that was Cats and Dogs 2, Revenge of Kitty Galore. Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter under Rate Descend Pod. TikTok under rating descending, or you can email us at ratingdescending at gmail.com. Or you could, if you just want to chat to us solo style, <laughs> you can find us on our own social media. And you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Michelle.stclair. And you can find me on Insta at the Abigail J. Ward. <sighs> Some high quality podcasting. Are you going? <laughs> you could also, if you pretty please, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If other platforms have a review section, please yeah. do that because I'm well aware that most of our listeners don't use Apple Podcasts. Yeah, true. If anything you're using has a place to leave a review or five please star leave a review. it or anything like that, yeah, please. It genuinely is so helpful. It really is. Well, Michelle, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Great! Yeah. I've never seen Ghost Rider. I don't really know much about it, and I but I do like Nick Cage, so that's all I can cling on to. Got a Nick Cage everywhere. Well, that's not his voice, but he's got a <laughs> Nick Cage everywhere. <laughs> wow! Wow! It's like this sounds like Dark Owls. Oh wow! Oh wow! I'm Nick Cage. So you got to do like his National Treasure impersonation. It's like oh yeah, the secret lies with Charlotte. Hey, I'm Nick Cage in, Abigail, in National Treasure. Uh, I am Nicolette Cage in uh, National Treasure. Ah, <laughs> oh, is that French Stewart? Yeah, that's, that's French Stewart. <laughs> I am Francais <laughs> well, I'm regular Stewart, so get the hell out of here. I love that to you, someone is named French because he is French. I didn't get it at first. <laughs> I'm one woman. I'm very simple. Fuck off. We're, we're leaving. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs>